0: Now what will it be? Death? Or exile? Alright, we're gonna start with... That. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want Should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The worst part of it is they're gonna
1: blame us for the whole thing. And they can't have people knowing the truth. We're to ex the cover-up. <laughs> Don't forget, we're the exile so. Very well.
0: Ha, ha, Death! Ha, ha. By Exile. 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 <laughs> What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Exiles Network podcast. We are Rogue Squad. We're a Star Wars mini-podcast that's a part of the overall Exiles Network. And once again, we're taking a journey into a galaxy far, far away. And somehow, we're already up to episode six. I have no clue how this happened, but we are already up to episode six. So thank you for sticking it out with us, guys. We have reached the first live-action Star Wars show. It's a flagship show for the Disney Plus streaming platform with the highly anticipated, much-talked-about, the Mandalorian. I'm Christian, very happy to be with you today talking Star Wars. We have a great cast of characters and a few guests that I'm really looking forward to talking and having them on here. Gentlemen, this is the way. Uh, as usual, I want to introduce first somebody who are you are all very familiar with, my friend, uh, fellow founder of Rogue Squad, a member of our sister podcast,
1: The Film Exiles. It's Paul. Paul, what's going on, man? Hey, Christian. Good to be back. It uh, This is starting to feel like a part-time job. Uh, with all the content they've been putting out lately, it feels like we're doing this weekly, so uh, getting used to it, and like you say, it's uh, six episodes in already. I don't know how we did it, but thank you
0: for being a part of it every step of the way, dude. I really appreciate it. This stuff does not get off the ground without you, so thank you um next up i want to introduce at least on the first time here but i i actually did a pod with him in the past uh we did dark phoenix together and it was a blast we had a ton of fun and he actually does tv exile reviews for our sister podcast the film exiles it's brandon brandon what's up man
2: not a whole lot thanks for having me on here happy to be
0: dude so glad to have you thanks for taking the time Last and certainly not least is Craig. Craig, I'm happy you're back with us, too. Craig did, with our sister podcast, The Film Exiles, we did a preview slash review where we went through all of our theories for Rise of Skywalker, and then we talked in a second podcast where we whiffed out, completely struck out, and just, you know, our theories were complete crap. Uh, But uh, it was a lot of fun doing those two episodes with him, and he runs a website called The Last Dragon Tribute, I believe. So, Craig, welcome, and tell us about that a little bit.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Always fun to be on with you guys. I like it a lot. And uh, I'm excited to get into this, and uh, we can we'll talk later about the Last Dragon, the one of cool. the greatest movies of all time, but, you know, <laughs> in my humble opinion. So, yeah, shameless let's get plugs are always it. welcome. <laughs> so, in typical
0: exile fashion, what we'll do is let's get into our non-spoiler thoughts of The Mandalorian. So, if you're halfway through the show, you're only up to episode four, whatever it may be, and you're listening to a bunch of podcasts on The Mandalorian and Star Wars, you can hear our thoughts on it. Then you got to pause us, because we're going to jump over the spoiler wall, and we're going to talk about the Easter eggs and everything else that they did in this particular show. So these first couple minutes we will just go non-spoiler. I want to hear what you guys thought of the show overall, because this was important. When we were all kids, they talked about live-action Star Wars. They always wanted to bring live-action Star Wars to the screen. They never did, and they finally did it with Disney+. Plus. So this is important, whether the show is a failure or a success it means a lot to the future of Star Wars and it means a lot to Star Wars fans. So let's do non-spoiler. Brandon, why don't you kick us off, man? How, eight episodes, streaming service first gets off the ground. It's a flagship show. What'd you think of The Mandalorian overall?
2: I I thought overall it was, it was a good jump into the, to the Star Wars universe on, on live action TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was perfect, but very often First seasons aren't always there. They're still trying to find their footing, trying to find out exactly what works and where to go in the second one. I think it sets up a, a very good world moving forward, and I think that they can definitely improve on it. But I, ultimately, I was entertained. Uh, the first part of the series was great. The, the last part of the series was great. I thought it lost itself a little bit there in the middle. Uh, but in the end, I was entertained, and it, it was more than enough to get me to come back for a second season. And hope that they can really delve into the lore a little bit more. The way that I've come to expect from other Star Wars TV shows.
3: Thank
0: you so much. Awesome. Craig, what do you got,
3: man? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed it the first time and watched a few again. And I liked it even more. So I think that's a really great sign. Uh, I think on the negative side, the episodes are a little too short. Uh, They're not interconnected enough. The ones that are really stand out when they're more interconnected. Um so hoping for more of that but but all in all even the standalone ones that that a lot of people uh don't like cuz they're not connected I I enjoy them as well I I wish they were more connected but I still really like them. So yeah, overall really really positive. I like what I, I like where it's going.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that a little bit later in the in the pod and talk about, you know, whether the connected storyline versus the more standalone ones, which ones did that take the show back? Did it make? Did it give it a step forward? Some people have really divisive opinions over that, so divided opinions, I mean. So, thanks a lot, Craig. Now, positive Paul, he's going to give us his, his review on it. I'm just messing. I'm sorry. What'd you think of it, dude? What's your overall thoughts of the show?
1: Well, as as expected, I'm coming in least um, least optimistic or least positive about this show. I mean, I, I still enjoyed it, so I guess bottom line is. It kept me watching. I never fell more than a week behind and I'm still looking forward to season two. So, so that says something. Um, I think it's really overrated compared to what you hear. Um, you know, this is being propped up as, as how Star Wars should be done and, and, uh, as, as the one sign of hope that Disney can get Star Wars right after messing up the, the sequel trilogy. And, and I just don't buy that at all. I mean, this was fine. Uh, it had some interesting elements to it. Uh, there were some episodes I enjoyed more than others, but, um, you know i i didn't feel that there was uh you know a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of substance to it it was a lot of filler and that was one of my big concerns going in so we can get more into that when we get into the specifics of the episodes because they do vary some were... um you know more more relevant to the to the main storyline uh, than others and and some felt more like filler than others but um yeah overall it was good it was entertaining it wasn't a disaster they got the tone mostly right i think um so those are the positives and on the downside i just felt like a lot of these episodes were wasting my time and i got distracted and had to go back and rewatch them because i got bored and stopped paying attention so uh that that's where i am with it what did you think christian
0: Paul that was actually more positive than I thought it was going to be. So that was
1: that was pretty good. Um give
0: yourself. Come on, man. You like see you liked it. Uh no, I'm actually more I'm working more, on it. <laughs> I'm more nay, you're exiled for that. I am uh, I'm more like Brandon. I think that this was a good start. For a live-action, you know, the first time we're getting a live-action TV show, I liked the look, the feel, the grunginess of it, that kind of used aspect that they had to the universe. It didn't feel quite as sterile and clean as the prequels uh, or even the Disney sequels. It really did have that beat-up look to a world that just suffered through a war. Um, and I liked the fact that they concentrated on the Mandalorian. I wanted to concentrate on him, and they did, and we got a lot about his character. But the middle was just bad. I don't know how else to say it. I really enjoyed the first three episodes. I really enjoyed the end, and then the middle was just, ugh. It's not that it turned me off, and, but I do know every now and then what I was feeling basically in the middle of the show is it was almost a chore to start the episode up because I wasn't necessarily interested, and it got, it got my interest back, and I appreciate that, but I think that's something they're going to have to work on for the future because this is an expensive show. It's $100 million bucks, and if they're only going to do eight episodes a season, you want to make every single episode count, I think. So, And some of them, to me, did not necessarily count. Um, so thanks, guys. I appreciate you giving me the overall thoughts of the show. Now we're going to talk about meat and potatoes. We're going to talk about spoilers, individual characters, everything. So as I said, if you're listening to us, you're only on episode six, you're listening to a bunch of Star Wars pods, pause us now, come back and listen to us later, and then you can give us your thoughts on it and let us know what you thought. So jumping over the spoiler wall, what was really, you know, when you get a TV show, uh, you get all different directors. You get different performances. It's, you get guest actors, all that. So it's, you know, it's like watching a CSI or whatever, but they always try to bring in a different cast each and every week that support the main cast. So this show was no different. And you had a couple guys like Pedro Pascal and Carl Weathers that basically Stop. were here the entire time, but you had a lot of guest performances as well. Do you guys have any in the list that you say stood out either good? or bad, because this would go both ways, that could have potentially helped an episode or made an episode worse. What do you think, Paul? You got any performances that you really want to say stood out to you?
1: Yeah, so there's a few. And and again, I mean... uh because because I'm so focused on positivity, um, I'm, you know, I uh, for me the ones that stand out are the bad ones, right? And before I jump into those, because there was a handful that just took me right out of episodes and almost made those episodes unwatchable, I, I'll, I'll focus on the positive. So I liked uh, Pedro Pascal as the lead, and obviously that's the most important. I think he did a good job. Um, less is more with with Mandalorians as well. Like I, I didn't want to hear him speaking a whole lot, and I'm and I'm glad they didn't. Go overboard with it, I thought it was fine. Like I, I'm looking for someone that speaks a little bit less than than Judge Dredd, you know, when it when it comes to uh, to this, and and we got that, so that was that was good. I like Carl Weathers. I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, what's his name? Uh, the uh, the client uh, Warner Herzog. I thought he was pretty good. Um, well, I agree with you. Werner like basically said he didn't know like anything about
0: Star Wars, and he went in and he gave it 150. percent He was great. Yeah, he was, was, he
2: was. He was. That good. voice good. is just iconic. It really yeah. is, the voice it, it, is so it just good makes everything so much better,
1: <laughs> it really does you're hundred percent right, yeah, no he's uh he was good, so I liked him, um then you get into sort of the the mid range i uh, actually you know what the other one that was good, and it was just a brief performance, but I liked um the uh the female bounty hunter in one of the worst episodes, yeah. episode five uh I liked her, even though she just had a brief role, I liked her it was Ming Wen, uh, right, Ming yeah,
2: yeah, I thought she was pretty it, yeah. good.
1: Yeah, so then, so then, those were the ones that I thought were good, and then uh, and Nick Nolte was fine. He he felt yeah. he felt like he fit in Star Wars. I thought uh, Cara Dune was hit and miss, and we can get into this a little bit more when we talk about the specific episodes. But uh, some of her, and I don't even know if this was the actress's fault because I think she was actually pretty good, um, but some of the dialogue and the scenes they put her in were so cliche and cringe where she was proving what a tough guy she was. I just it was rough. Um, <laughs> so that that I wasn't really into. And then when you get to the really cringy stuff, there was that blue fish guy in the first ten minutes of season one uh, that felt like he was ripped out of a bad episode of Star Trek or Star Trek <laughs> beyond and I could not I could not believe they started the the series with that scene because um, everything else about that scene was Star Wars except for this guy cracking jokes uh, with a you know with the um the perfect sort of American English that that, that really kind of seems out of place in Star Wars right like I would have sooner seen him um, you know, speaking in alien gibberish and having a translator droid or something or or even subtitles, right? But there he is with his perfect kind of jokey American English and looking like a, something ripped right out of Star Wars. And that was bad. Um, but they recovered after the first 10 minutes. They recovered from that in in, in Episode 1. And I was able to get past that. And thankfully, that character met uh, a, a, fitting, a fitting demise early on in that episode. <laughs> uh, episode 5, though, had two of the cringiest performances I've seen. In this series, and it it really ruined the episode. There was the uh, the, batter, uh, the the guy that wanted to get into the bounty hunter guild. Uh, just looking for his name,
3: Toro Calican.
1: Yeah, Toro Calican was a character, and uh, oh wow, he was awful. He was like straight off. Uh, it, it was like they gave him a reward for doing well on some other you know child oriented Disney show, and then yeah. um, that was, was it's cringy bad. It was so it, bad.
0: It was really bad. And that's Jay Canavali, right? Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's Craig was saying. Yeah, that is just a—it's the worst performance in the entire show. I, I won't—I'm not i don't want to take it away, from you, but that—that's
1: <laughs> I just had to mention how much I hated it. It was so bad. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, it, so. it felt really out of place. And I thought in that same episode, Amy Sedaris as the uh, mechanic, as the uh, the older female mechanic, just didn't fit. Uh, didn't feel like she belonged in that Star Wars world. So, so those two performances really negated that episode for me. Because otherwise, the episode itself. Could have been okay aside from some some shoddy CGI in that episode that looked like it was uh, uh, prequel era special effects on uh, on green screen. You know, I, I thought the episode wasn't story wise that bad, but those acting performances were just uh, just killer, right? So, so that's that's what jumps to mind um, in terms of, of good and bad, and in terms of acting performances. What did you guys Thanks. think? Thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate that, man. Craig, what about you? If you had to take anybody
0: who was a standout, both good and bad.
3: Yeah, some of the same standouts that Paul had, like uh, Werner Herzog, amazing. Ig Eleven, I really Ig Eleven is probably my favorite character of the the whole show. Really? Uh, I, yeah, I really enjoy it. like the fighting, the the attitude. Very, I like that a lot. <clears throat> the um, <laughs> the The armor, I thought the armor, the um, the female Mandalorian. I thought she was, she's really great. And I and like, there's something in there. Like I would like to learn more about her. Like she's really interesting to me. And then she had that little fight scene at the end where she like, just was cracking, cracking, um, bit of a badass skulls. Yeah. It was great. It reminded me of, um, what's his name in, uh, Rogue one. Sure, in, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, I really liked, uh, Nick Nolte's character. Uh, you said Grief Car Guy, like Carl Weathers. Moff Gideon was good. We didn't talk about Moff Gideon. I thought he was really good. Yeah. That, then the, the bad. I mean, the same thing. I didn't like Jake Carnavale. He, you know what he seemed like? He looked like a character from a Disney park, playing a role yes. for kids. And they <laughs> yeah, just they that, literally looked at the park and said. Oh, he's in our Star Wars world. Let's, come on. Come on the set. We need someone. We need a young character. Come on now. Who's the Somebody best? They had like a contest. I was just
1: recording him. A
3: contest at the park, you know? What?
1: You know? Yeah, like a, a guy that's really good playing in the park that maybe yeah. should have got a should have got a shot on Descendants, not on not on The Mandalorian. Oh, totally. <laughs> should have like been in Descendants, Descendants 3, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have daughters and they <laughs> love this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, you just, just totally out of place. And, the, you know, the guy might be a good actor in somewhere else, but it's just in this, it just did not fit. And it just came off as really awful. And I didn't like the blue guy either. That it was very Star Trek and nothing. I like Star Trek, but it's just a different world. It didn't seem right. And uh, Amy Sedaris wasn't as, I don't think I, Disliked her as bad as as Paul did she was she was fine um <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy. Mith, was fine. Mith,
1: Mithral was a yeah. blue fish guy the Mithral, Mithral yeah <laughs> I think yeah. that it was, was yeah. yeah yeah and it was
3: like and it was even the stuff that it was what he was given was all like, oh, everything was gross is like I have to molt and I have to like oh everything was like
2: let's Oh yeah the, the,
1: the toilet humor toilet humor yeah, they uh, never they had on before
2: they wanted to right like when I started his... the show yeah the first yeah, thing I, they... t- I messaged Paul and I said, "Wow! Ten minutes into this show, and it's already pee and poop jokes."
3: Yeah, they're <laughs> like, "Let's let's drain his glands for something." You know, I can smell it. Like it's like,
1: "What? <laughs> this is gross, man." What yeah. are we
3: talking about right now? That was weird. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> we how like that a was a big off. off.
1: That's how they were gonna really, you know, grab you in the first ten minutes. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and, yeah. Wow. And thank goodness Mando was just. I love that, and that's. And I think Mando was it was great. Like Pedro Pascal, really great you know, his fighting and everything like, so, you know what? I got to give it to the stunt performers. Cause IG 11, the stunt performer, the, you know, Pedro Pascal's barely in the suit. It's stunt performers doing all that. So those yeah. guys, I give it to them. They're doing a great job.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. You know, especially when he's not always in the suit and they're trying to basically get human emotions across when everybody's wearing a mask. And yeah. It,
3: it, yeah. It's well done.
0: It, yeah. They, were, they did a pretty good job with that. I think they did.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Anything you want to add, Craig? No, I'm good. Cool.
2: Brendan, you're up. Uh, I mean, really, uh, you guys touched on most of it. You know, like I said, I was really afraid when uh, when the show first opened and you started having the the my exact words were the pee-pee and poo poo jokes. <laughs> I was like, "There's no way this is how you start the most important show." And I, I thank God for Pedro Pascal. Uh, who right, who would have I mean. known when he started on Game of Thrones that right. he would become as great as he is? Absolutely. He's everything he is in. He is great. Yeah, uh, and he's he's great as the voice of the Mandalorian. He gets so much authority across. Uh, I didn't think that I was going to be one of those, but his relationship with with the child is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, acting with a, a little puppet is just <laughs> awesome. The, their little banter, the, the the child flipping on and off switches, and him just like stop it. Like <laughs> you'd think that he would lose it, and he doesn't. And it's great, but. Nick Nolte, I thought was he he was great he had a, he had a lot of really good lines he had a lot of you know for being again a kind of a puppet at an animatronic he He carried a lot of of weight in his voice. I thought that worked well, like you guys said in the middle, you get some pretty bad performances. The ones that nobody mentioned were the the two toilet criminals in the jailbreak episode. I oh, thought they dude. were pretty awful.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. They were bad. And, and I don't mind the, the girl. The, the, the no, I agree the, with that. the costuming was bad on the guy, especially. He was wearing like, one of those sleeveless t-shirts. It yeah. did not fit in the Star like Wars world like at Vin all.
2: He Diesel as a toilet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was, I'm like surprised it, 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 he didn't, didn't drop fit. the word
2: family ten times.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then go get some NOS on the ship or something like that. It was, the the off the sleeveless shirt in space is a little... Odd.
1: <laughs> yeah it did not fit at all yeah that's what we out of that episode for sure <laughs> uh, i like the girl i didn't mind
3: the girl sure. at all you know the girl she was, was
1: less bad she was less she's
3: bad. the wildling from game of thrones she was yeah uh, yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: And she, yeah and i it was kind of the pairing of them together because they they really just kind of acted like wild animals and uh, this is more of a of a problem with the that episode was i mean she was she pulled like 80 knives out of nowhere yeah. And throwing knives, it's like where are those coming from? You're not wearing anything.
1: Don't, don't no, ask questions you don't want to know the answers to. It's,
2: it's, it's Star Wars, in and in a world it's, where ships fall when they run out of gas, I guess finding, finding knives isn't that bad of a right? A exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but all around, you know, other than a few weak performances, I'd say everybody was bare minimum was good uh, or great. And then the standout performance is going to be the, the two scout troopers at the end. Who oh, I forgot about that. was her good. Her banter and then their child abuse. So, you know, I don't child abuse <laughs> in this case. The, that whole conversation was fantastic. That and was good. Eh? Yeah, credit really, where credit really, is due. Thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. I don't have a ton to add to this, guys. I think I agree with basically everything you said. I, I You got it you got to give a call-out to Pedro Pascal. And uh, I love the guy in Narcos. He's just fantastic. And everything I think he was able to do here, especially wearing a mask. And you're right, by the way, Brandon. It's when he can interact with a puppet and make you feel that good about his interactions, he's doing something right. He really is. And so I give him a lot of credit to that. And I don't really have too much to say about a lot of the other performances, except for Gina Carano, who, like Paul said, <sighs> the dialogue sometimes was shitty. Let's be honest, it really was. But she grew on me as the season went on. And by the time we got to episodes 7 and 8, I really liked her relationship with Mando. I did. And I and I yeah. felt that it was much more natural as the season went on. There were a couple episodes in the middle there where you could feel the forced banter between them, which I don't think worked as well as the two scout troopers beating the shit out oh, of Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the uh, but I thought their banter felt a little bit more natural, and they they had a natural competition because they were both you know because of where they came from and everything, and then you could see them growing, and then she really wanted to protect him at the end, and she didn't want him to die, and I, I really like that, so I wanted to call her out because you don't see her in too much, but she's starting to grow now, and and I, I really liked her in this. It's just as you guys said, I think her dialogue was a little,
2: pfft. but well, that's I not think the arm, the arm, arm, arm
1: wrestling and the bar fighting too is just that's not her fault. That was just bad writing, cliché. Yeah name rating absolutely what do you want to say brendan i'm sorry
2: uh there just wasn't enough of her like it yeah they advertised the show as having a ton of her and then it took what three or four episodes before you got introduced to her and then she yeah. disappeared again and then she's in the final two and it's like they really made a big point of her being in the show and but yeah. she just disappeared she does. it takes forever for her to show up and then she's gone
1: Yep. Well and they even put uh, I'm pretty sure they got a black series and uh and the uh the elite series die cast figures of her. So they, they put some money into making toys for her and everything too, so
2: they probably spent more on making toys than they did on paying her to be in the show. Probably mm-hmm. right? <laughs> probably
0: did. <laughs> Anything you guys want to add before we move on? That's funny. Sorry. No, it's good. Good? Cool. So when you make these TV shows, the four of us were talking about this off the pod, guys. And when you make these shows, you always get a bunch of guest directors that do this. And there's a conversation to be had about whether these guest directors bring their signature styles to the show or whether they're basically just doing the work of Filoni and Favreau on this, the guys that basically are the creators and the shepherd for this show. So the guest directors I thought were pretty good. They had good names in Deborah Chow, and I think it's Rick uh, Femiua, right? And Dave Filoni mm-hmm. did one, Bryce Dallas Howard, and of course Taika Waititi did the final episode, and everybody's giving him a lot of love and saying that now he deserves a Star Wars movie. On his own, so I think that's a conversation that we can have. Do you guys have favorites, least favorites uh, of the different directors? Do you think it they even had a hand in making some of your episodes here the favorite or not? Do you think that even do they even matter because they're not necessarily the driving force behind the overall show? Craig, I'm going to start with you. What do you think about the different directors and the tones and everything? Do you think they had something to do with the way the show went?
3: Yeah, I think we've got some good thoughts here coming uh, about the the importance of directors. like I really enjoyed episode three and seven, really stood out, uh, and those were both done by Deborah Trout. Deborah Trout. So to me, yeah, they that's saying something that those ones were so good and they stood out. So there must be some influence from a director there, um, and it's also a great sign because she's handling the Obi One series, which I'm really looking forward to, and now I'm looking forward to it more. Is she really? She, I didn't know that. She's yeah, she's the director for those, and she's do- nice. I think she's doing every episode too, which uh, could be good. And then I really liked, so Rick Famayua did two and six, which were, where six was like total standalone. And I really enjoyed that episode on its own. Like, it was so much fun. And he has a very different feel from all the others too. And I like what he does with it. Um And two, a lot of people thought, you know, the first two were all good, but the two two was maybe the worst of all. Them. I, I've heard that from a lot of people, but I really enjoyed two, because it had a lot of good callbacks and a lot of the details were really, it really felt like, I was watching, like, a new version of A New Hope. Like, it felt like we were right in that world. I really liked that. So if that if he had something to do with that, which I feel he probably did, you know, great job. And, of course, the last episode, 8, with Taika Waititi directing was probably the best episode. He tied it all together. He brought in the humor with the the troopers in the beginning, which, (laughs) you know, is easy to, to go wrong when you try to go funny with Star Wars. Like, some people love it. A lot of people hate it he did it right. I really thought that was, that was good. It was a time to kind of sit back um, and, and, and have some fun and he did it right. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. So yeah, I think the directors have a, a certain influence on it and um, you can feel the difference between the episodes. Be- then you look at what Bryce ha- Dallas Howard did um, with the sanctuary episode where they were kind of another standalone where they're on a planet and uh, you know, he had the, the whole family episode and again, that wasn't tied in as much as the others, but I liked—I really liked that. That one really had a, a samurai feel to it, like a Western samurai feel. Like, you know, the, the samurais are, um, uh, you know, to, helping to train a, a, the villagers to uh, defend from the outsiders. Um, that, and I found that's myself really
0: liking the child in that episode. Like, I really started liking the baby Yoda character in that episode too. I know it was a lot of cutesy bullshit. That was thrown in there, but I couldn't help myself, Uh, you know, whatever he was doing. You saw him as a kid. Yeah. You saw that he really was
3: a baby, the way he played with the kids and the kids uh, wanted to, you know, cuddle with the baby and all that. yeah, it was good. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. So, and that, and those were the, the, like that Bryce Dallas Howard one was, you know, and like I said, I liked all of them that one and the one directed by Faloni and written by Filoni was like, that was the worst one. It was, um, <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> and I, and I, you know what? And I, and I still look forward to watching it and I still liked it. A, I- you but hate, it was it. – it was, yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> There's a <laughs> lot of it I didn't like. I, I liked kind of the, the Tatooine callback to it and we're back on Tatooine. But other than that, yeah, it was hard. It was rough. That was
0: the first thing Paul mentioned to me too when he, when he sent me a message. He was right away. was like, I like they're back on Tatooine. Everything else is shit. But he was right. I, I agree with you before I move to Brandon. I, I The Prisoner episode I know sometimes um, – it's in that final third of the season, and I like it. But I, I've heard a couple people crap on it, and there are reasons to crap on that episode. But I thought it gave us something about the Mandalorian when he spared everybody at the end, and I I liked how that really told us something about his character. Yeah, but probably then, a better ca- episode than some people think it is. To me, but go ahead with what you were going to say.
3: Well, I just I like just like it's, it's different. Like I like the horror feel of it. Like he's hunting these guys. And the light, the lighting, the way that's it's all red and flashing, and like. You know, it's like a horror movie. It was really, it was, you see how badass he is, like, kind of know that already, but it just, it just hammers that home that he's gonna, th- so now he's going up against other trained assassins, the best of the best, and he's taking them out easily with no fear. Like, you know, you, you're like, oh, they're gonna get him? Nah, he's got him again. You know, oh, now he's in a best <laughs> spot and he's got him again. He's always got something he's got. He's like the the Batman of Star Wars, right? You can you know, he's outwitting guys. He's out muscling them. Whatever he has to do, you know, he meets a stronger guy. So he's got to be smarter. He meets a faster. Someone's faster. He's you know, he's got to come up with, with a strategy to beat. Them. It's uh, I like that. I laid down um, what a good uh, fighter he is and strategist.
0: Yeah, definitely. That even though this the episode had it had its issues, I like the way it was put together because of that reason. So, yeah, definitely, I, I agree with. You. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. Thanks, mm-hmm.
0: Brandon. How about you, man? Would you want to talk about you know least favorite, your most favorite, the different directors? What's your take on all that?
2: Uh, so it's uh, it, this is one of those situations where you have to kind of take the show as it's intended. Uh-huh. This is a little bit more serialistic in its in its intent. So not all the episodes really have to match together. They're not really telling a, a massive overarching narrative. There's, there's room for each director to kind of do their own thing. Uh, I do feel that the, the bulk of it goes on to the showrunners. So John Favreau and Dave Filoni in the end, even after all the, the episodes have been directed, they're the ones that make the tweaks. They're the ones that, that choose what ultimately ends up in there. Uh, so in a, in a, you know any t v series I believe the the showrunners are the are the the force to to be reckoned with on there so each each of the directors in this did get time to to show their own style, but in the end they do have to adhere to somebody else's style in doing so uh which is fine which the, to me that's that's actually the better argument that that we make all the time with creative freedom when you work in a world like this creative freedom doesn't mean do whatever you want whatever you want and everybody should be okay with it it's i'm playing in somebody else's sandbox how do i make this my own while also respecting what the overall vision is right uh when you look outside of this there's there's plenty of places in in pop culture right now where a lot of what, what people are talking about is what is different? Well, why, why is this person doing something so drastically different that was set up and not, and, and not paying attention? Uh, and in this, it everything falls back to the way that John Favreau designed it. Everything falls back to the way that, that Filoni designed it, but each person did bring their own style. And I, I did like that. Uh, Taika Waititi, I, I'm not the hugest fan of Taika, uh, <laughs> but, again his his collaboration, I think is actually what worked in there, was he was allowed to have a little bit of himself in there, but he had other people hold him back from going too far uh, because his particular style may not fit one hundred percent in here, so the fact that he worked with with other people to to rein himself in to tell a great story uh while also making it somewhat his i think is is the best way to do it. Uh, and not just completely wash it and just say, "Oh, he's just a babysitter. He didn't bring anything to this. Mm-hmm. He did, uh, but he respected what came before and didn't just run off and do his own thing and just ignore." Yeah, him. Filoni is. I love Dave Filoni. I'm not gonna. I, I won't shy away from that. He he created <laughs> to, to me what is the best Star Wars maybe ever. Uh, in Express Clone your Wars. love for
0: Filoni, man. Do it.
2: I, I love <laughs> Filoni. I do. Yeah, uh, he gets it. He does get it. And
0: because of uh, what we, what Paul and I did in the past, and now I've I've been reading Brandon's tweets, my wife and I are going through Clone Wars again. I am so happy I am. That show is out of control. It's
2: it's so good. Uh, Now, credit on that. I mean, Dave Filoni, kind of like I said about Taika Waititi, Dave Filoni worked very, very in-depth with George Lucas on Clone Wars. So you're getting so much of the lore and so much of the love of George Lucas with people who are are better at their individual areas right then the george lucas is george lucas right. is abysmal with dialogue yes he's awful but he knows world building and he knows all of these things but he he relied on other people to tell the story based on what he kind of gave and that's that's part of what made filoni great Agreed. uh this is dave filoni's first foray into live action and i think he did good <clears throat> but they are probably the weakest episodes uh who knows if that comes down to that was just the scripts that, that he was given that he chose to do and they just weren't all that good to begin with. Or this is just growing pains. This is my first time making live action. It's not always easy to go from a cartoon to live action and, and translate the first time, but I definitely feel like he deserves another chance and hopefully he picks a, you know, a little bit better script or writes a little bit better script to go along with it. Uh, but. Yeah, uh, again, the, the episodes from Deborah Chow were great, and the episodes from the episode from Taiko was probably my favorite.
0: Yeah, I think so too. You know, before if if you guys want to answer this, Paul, you know, you're next up. If you want to answer it too, I it might be a silly question, but is it gimmicky to bring in sometimes like these guest directors who really have big names because they are basically just doing what the showrunners want, or is it a good idea to get that because you are going to get their style?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't personally find it gimmicky. I mean, I think you do get a little bit of their style, and especially when it's a big budget, uh, series that they're using to, uh, <laughs> you know, as the flagship for their streaming service. I think it makes mm-hmm. sense to bring in people with, uh, reputation and, uh, and a known skill, right? So, um, so I think that I, I don't see a problem with it personally. Um, if- I do think that they are constrained. Oh, go ahead, sir, Brandon.
2: No, go ahead. You finish your thought.
1: I was going to say, I do think they are constrained by the, by the style that's set by the showrunners and that that probably makes sense in a you know in a in an eight episode season you don't want the style and tone to vary wildly i mean i have seen examples where that's been done and i'm I'm not usually a fan of it like i'm i'm struggling to think of the specific examples but i know there's definitely been uh shows in the past where they'll just have these weird one-off like almost like alternate reality episodes and it just throws (laughs) you out of the out of the series right so i'm glad they don't do that in this case the tone was fairly consistent throughout all eight of these episodes which I appreciated, but you could see little bits of their, um, of their personal styles coming through. Uh, uh, go ahead. Brandon. Yeah.
2: I was going to say, if I can inject back in uh, and, you know, with the, the changing TV landscape, this is obviously, this was a big production, mm-hmm. uh, eight episodes is, is nothing to scoff at, especially at the high production values, but there is something to be said for having one creative vision. Yeah. Uh, and it's not out of the realm of possibility, like you said. Deborah Chow is going to be doing Obi Wan. She's going to do the whole thing. Louis Leterrier did all of Dark Crystal, and Dark Crystal is an absolute master. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there is no variation. There's no change in tone. There's nothing that's different. He directed all of those episodes, and uh, he it's it's there. The labor of love is there. And you you are telling a more cohesive story. I think somewhere in the middle when you invite in directors that that all have their signature style and all have their story they want to tell, at some point, is there an overlap or or are they going to be telling the strongest narrative? And I think that might be where the series fails a little bit and where I feel it meanders in the middle so much is because each director wants to leave their imprint while it kind of contradicts the show itself leaving its own footprint. Uh, and again, that that kind of falls to what happened in the sequel trilogy for Star Wars was each director wanted their own story. They right. each had somewhere they wanted to go with it, and nobody was really on the same page, so we got left with kind of a mess. Whether you loved it or not, it's it's not cohesive whatsoever. And it would have been better if JJ directed it all, it would have been better if Ryan directed it all, who cares? One Vision I think is better than the sixth vision. Uh and with 8 episodes, I think it's completely feasible now that a single director with a strong vision can come in and do 8 episodes on their own and probably tell a better story.
0: Yeah, and you make a point as much as I like the three the three Disney sequels, they're not cohesive. Episode 8 seems like it's completely it's just not even I don't even know what story it's telling after Force Awakens and then Rise of Skywalker was in a strange situation where they tried to go back to what older fans wanted and they were trying to tell the story that J.J. started back in Force Awakens. You're right. So sometimes it makes sense to have that one overarching voice and there's a changing TV landscape that you just said. There's going to be this fight for eyeballs now because everybody is doing direct to consumer and you want streaming services and less and less people, at least in North America, are going to see movies and go into the actual theater so they want to stay at home in front of their big screen TV, and maybe they're not going to take their family out to dinner as much as they did before and things like that. So there's that fight for entertainment dollars. So maybe some of these shows feel that they have to get some of this bigger name talent. You know, like that's the only way that they're going to be able to compete in a changing landscape. I don't know if that makes any sense.
2: No, a hundred percent. You know, it, It's good to, to chase after people with, with st- strong visions. As as we've seen with Netflix, you—I mean, you, if you get somebody like David Fincher, you're right. going to end up with a phenomenal product. Now, he didn't direct the whole series, but I guarantee you the people that, that followed him followed his, his orders because you don't mess with David Fincher. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he learned on movie number one, don't fuck with me. Yeah. Uh, simple as that. And again, it is, I think it is good to go after the, the strongest vision possible. But I think it's best to probably give that vision. I think Favreau could have directed this whole series. Yes. Uh he is a very good director. Uh, obviously he was you know, he was busy doing Lion Cannon and, and you know, uh, other projects. But yeah, else he was doing. Yep. I think any, any of these directors probably could have done the entire series. Uh and it may have been stronger. The only one that I would have been worried about would be because he wouldn't have had somebody holding him back from from going overboard with with his comedic style. Uh so I think he was better served in the in that community of directors. But I think overall, like if I had a, a choice, I would rather have seen one director do all eight episodes. Interesting. well yeah.
0: do
1: you want to add to I don't know to you and Paul are correct? Do you guys either one of you want to add to that? Yeah. Go well ahead, I was just I was just going to say that, um, you know, with Taika, he's quoted back in February of 2019 uh, when he was asked, When he, I guess when it was first announced he was going to take on an episode of this. He said that uh, Star Wars is very different to the Marvel style. He said uh, they know that the tone of the first films really should be kind of adhered to. That's what the fans like and you can't really disrespect it, I guess, is a nicer way of saying you can't put too many jokes in it. Um, there's a bit, definitely my tone is in there, the dialogue and stuff like that. So you can tell that he, even before they brought him on, they sort of gave him a talking to and said, Hey, you can't get carried away here. And, uh, and, and he seemed to respect that. So, um, so that, that's a positive in his case, I think for sure. Um, but you know, the, um, you know, my favorite episodes, I think you guys have said said this as well, uh, were probably episodes three, seven, and the one that Taika Waititi did. And I think Taika's was probably mm-hmm. the best. Um, and then the two from Deborah Chow, who I'd never heard of. She's the she's the least known of these uh, directors mm-hmm. uh, coming in, but I thought hers were, were two of the best. Now, they weren't perfect. Um, none of these episodes, not a single one of these episodes left me saying, wow, that was incredible. I can't wait to see more. Like, I, I never had that feeling once. This was not... Um, a Game of Thrones type experience for me where the minute one episode was done, you couldn't wait till next week. I never had that. But there was some pretty good episodes in here with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of cringe, uh, but not too bad overall, right? Um, I was, so I was really impressed with Deborah uh, Deborah Chow. I was uh, pleasantly surprised that Taika Waititi could keep himself reined in. I was disappointed with Dave Filoni. Um, Now, I'm not as huge a fan of Filoni. I I understand what you guys are getting at with him being sort of the George Lucas's right-hand man. But I think Filoni benefited a lot more from having Lucas's involvement in the Clone Wars than or oversight in the Clone Wars than the other way around. Because Rebels, for me, was a pretty steep drop-off from Clone Wars. And then that was more Filoni on his own. And then you see here that i was i was just kind of really disappointed with floney and i think in rebels he he got into some way out there stuff now, yeah you did...
3: like Go ahead. just sorry to interrupt but yeah if you don't if he doesn't have people collaborating with him he goes too far you're gonna get flying whales and talking wolves like <laughs> yeah. it, it gets he's, he's a little big. too crazy he's,
1: yeah it gets weird it's really weird. I don't know what where he uh, space whales. He, he needs to get reined in too, right? I saw something else with I space mean. whales the other day too. And I, I'm what is it with space whales? And and I mean, my first experience with space whales was, was Treasure Planet, and I love Treasure Planet, and that was a nice place to keep the space whales. But why we need space whales everywhere else, I I don't know. But uh, um, yeah, no, I think I think he needs to be reined in too. And and I was a little disappointed with his. I do love episodes. him though. I
3: love him, but he needs he he works great when there's other people to yeah, collaborate I, with
1: I, him. I think he's a great information resource, yeah. And, and it's he good to have the him He gets the lore, um, but he also needs to be reined in, and and maybe he's just not a great live action director, or maybe you know, maybe this is just his first shot, and he'll get better. Hopefully, that's the case. Um, I was really disappointed with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's episode. I thought that felt like a lame episode of The Walking Dead. Um, it just <laughs> is not my kind of programming. A lot of a lot of feelings in their camp, and a lot of knowing, reassuring glances between the uh, the. the the uh, the camp members, it just it just felt like it was, it was filler. My, yeah, soap opera filler. Yeah, it was, it was a filler, and a lot episode. of the stuff felt like filler. And and you know what? That that was my complaint with the um, the Rick Famuyua yeah Femu yeah episode six. You know, it felt like a filler episode of Rebels. I mean, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's also not very good. Um, it it well, felt. When you only
2: so- have eight episodes. How do you have time for filler? Like, well, that's eight, that's eight right. episodes is a short series order.
1: That's the thing. You think you think you're going to get high quality when you get eight episodes, and yet half of this was filler. There was really three three thirty five minute episodes that I thought were pretty good, and you could have cut ten minutes out of each of those episodes. You know, so what what does that really leave you? <laughs> I, you could have made probably a good two hour movie out of this whole eight seasons. Yeah, you
2: could edit episodes. it down to a two and a half hour movie. Yeah,
3: yeah, like it's too yeah. bad they're not. I just still really like the like that was just good episode to me, but it's better connected. That yeah, the Rick Femme you the prisoner one
1: well well and and you know craig you were saying earlier on how you how much you liked episode two and uh, i was yeah. one of the people that did not like episode two originally i right off the bat i said to you that was a filler episode and it confirmed my fears that we were going for more sort of filler nonsense and it felt like nostalgic fan service by the end of the season i actually am looking a lot more favorably on episode two now it, it in hindsight it was actually probably the fourth best one um maybe the fifth best one but it was it was better than i thought because some of the others lowered the bar a little bit <laughs> uh but uh so i was you know i didn't know much about uh Fa, family except that he was associated with the flashpoint movie at one point and um and so i had that a certain amount uh, s- sorry
2: i said oh that narrows it down everybody's it, involved with it yeah, yeah. that's
1: right <laughs> there's a like five directors yeah now, he directed I want to tell movie you, but but he yeah, was the first, right? He was the guy that was supposed to do the Flash Cyborg uh Flash movie, right? So yeah. um, So so I, I felt like, you know, if he was chosen for that role, they must know something about him. And and you know, I'm not I haven't seen his filmography, I don't really know what his background is, but it gave me a certain degree of, of um pre-established faith in him just based on that alone and then and I wasn't wowed by what he did. Episode six felt like nothing special and, and in hindsight episode two was fine. Just didn't blow me away.
2: Uh one thing one thing to throw out there and I don't know if anybody else even gathered this. Mm-hmm. Did this series come off like a video game at all? Like you you show up at a place, you go to the mission giver, you buy your mission you go on the mission, you get you, you come back, you collect your bounty, you upgrade your armor, and then you do it again.
1: Yeah, it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I didn't really think of it like that. I felt right. like somebody
2: played The Witcher right before making this and said, "Oh yeah, let's let's do an armor system. Wow. Let's have this be a loot <laughs> show."
3: No, you're right. And with the popularity of video games, I wonder if they're they're consciously doing that. Like because Rise of Skywalker feels like a video game too. It might be a direction they're heading. in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is weird because then you have Jedi Fallen Order, which is better at being a movie than the movies. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, because Jedi Fallen Order is fantastic, uh, and it tells a, a, so an incredibly cohesive story.
0: I'm glad you guys are mentioning this because I think it leads right into our our next point that Felloni and Favre were going for like a really very specific style that Western sci-fi sci fi style, right and. There's that argument going back and forth with whether or not this worked better as these connected episodes or did it work better more as just episode one episode two episode three Eh, there's an arc in there, but there's something going on with the with the child episode six is completely disconnected did you guys did you think that video game feel detracted from it brandon
2: uh yes i I, I do uh, you know yeah. like like we've said it started out uh, doing one thing it completely meandered in the middle and nothing happened. Yeah. Like episode eight, and then it it finished pretty strong at the end. Uh, the The ending definitely wasn't perfect, but I think that it would have been better set up to have some episodes in the middle that started, you know, hinting at who the big bad guy was or right. uh, who Baby Yoda actually <clears throat> is. You know, give us some kind of detail. But in the end, these middle episodes achieved nothing other than just showing us that the Mandalorian is a badass. Uh, that's it. And you know he. We already know he's a badass. He's a fucking Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you don't need to show us all that. We know. I would rather have you spent three or four episodes building some of this universe up. Do I feel it felt like a Western? Yeah, it did pretty yeah. good. It it kind of had a, a Firefly feel to it in a, in a way where it got that space Western down, I think, right. But the the episodic feel where... It d- it never really felt connected to each episode, I do feel was a detractor to me. It just didn't tell enough of a story to really feel like anything happened this season. And especially right. when you end it on something as big yes. as an Imperial having a Darksaber, because that's a right. pretty big deal.
0: Should have been a build-up to that point.
2: There's there should have been.
0: Yeah. Moff just appeared and then it was yeah. like, okay, I guess he's the big bad of the show because he's showing up and I guess it's episode 7 and, uh, oh, by the way, when he pops the the escape pod open at the end, oh, I have a Darksaber. What? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hear you. There was, like, no build-up to that <clears throat> at all. Uh, Craig,
3: Paul, you guys. That build-up with the moth, you know, and I think it was him at the end of episode 5 when, you know, when they have the boots and then a lot of people are thinking it's Boba Fett. Yeah, I think uh, it's him that, too. I think yeah. it's him, and I think that was their build-up which is not enough, right? And then,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: So then, leave one episode. Boba Fett dead, like. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't, he's think, think he's. I don't think he's. I don't think he's in there. I, I
1: was. I was thinking Cad Bane. This is Filoni. They're going Cad Bane, not Boba Fett. You think so? Wow. I don't know. Oh, well, right, well, I mean, if, well, if, if it's Bane if it's, it's someone. No,
3: I think it was. I think it was supposed to be uh, the Moff Moff Gideon. I really do. I think. It's, oh, maybe maybe that's yeah, what it is, and that's it is,
1: too.
0: Yeah. Oh, they, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like now that you look back, was he there already at that point though? What do you mean there? Moff, Moff Gideon. you're saying at the end of episode 5 those boots were him, you're saying?
3: Yeah. It was was he basically... already on the
1: planet at the end of episode 5? So then he was come on, later. That was Tatooine. That was, a, that was Tatooine. That was on Tatooine. Oh. So
3: basically he's like tracking, he's tracking Mando, you know, throughout this. And then he catches oh, up with okay, him again in yeah. Navarro, right? So it it kind of make, it makes sense. And and it w- it's not so shocking that he just shows up at the end there, but they didn't yeah. they didn't. It was too subtle. It's too subtle. Yeah, it's well, so too subtle, subtle and a bit
1: of a letdown. It yeah. that, it reminds me of, of all the buildup you get with all the Star Wars speculation. Like, oh, we're finally going to get to see this character again, and then no, instead they it's a buildup to some guy you've never heard of and still don't care about. You know, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> we've had a yeah, lot of that. It, with it, Star Wars.
2: It's very much sequel trilogy, like, oh, here's this, this, yeah. and this, you know, here's Snoke, he's a, he's awesome, you want to know more about him, boom, he's dead, oh, here's Palpatine, yeah. it's cool. It's like, he, <laughs> like, where the fuck did he come from? <laughs>
1: well, and it, it reminds me of all the uh, the rebel stuff, too, with, with Ezra, like, you, you keep thinking, oh, maybe this is the episode, we're going to get more Darth Vader, and no, you just get more Ezra nonsense, or or you get some, um, you know, some some peripheral character that you don't care about, And and, you know, for me, I don't love the peripheral characters, like, like, I, sort of just jumping back to this whole, does the episodic <clears throat> format work? Sure. To me, this just, this just screams of Disney trying to take a story that, that probably could have been told in an hour and a half to two hours and stretching it out to get eight episodes to make money off it. And, and they're also deathly afraid of, of screwing with the, uh, the episodic films. Um, so they, they try to pick these little, corners of the universe that they can explore without causing any damage and maybe do subtle little tie-ins without ever giving you a real meaningful tie-in. And the Darksaber is the first sort of real meaningful tie-in we've, we've sort of seen coming out of this potentially. But even that, is that real meaningful tie-in or is that just building off their own sort of uh, offshoot world that nobody really knows about? Because who really knows about the Darksaber, right?
2: Like- yeah, I, I'd say that unless you watched uh, 9 out of 10 people, unless you watched Clone Wars or Rebels, you don't know what the Darksaber is. Absolutely. So it was a, Absolutely. oh, holy cow, moment but it was only a holy cow moment if you know the lore yeah if
1: you're but already it's, also, interesting. Star Wars it's also
3: just cool though you look at it, and you're like wow black lightsaber like what's that about and it makes you want to look into it and see where it's going so even as an outsider it's still kind of intriguing
1: yeah, moderately. yeah it's just it's just they're just they're afraid to really give you the good stuff with disney like they're just they are to just drag i to think drag they, they're yeah they keep to the feeling
3: stuff. out and i think no uh, what i'm hoping is now that the the skywalker saga is done they can kind of start doing more Because they're not afraid to step on the toes of of that. They can explore a little more and take some more chances and introduce a new character here and really do something with it. And bring back some old people and do something with them instead of touching on them and then being afraid to do anything because – then you ruin it if you want to use them for a movie. Oh, oh, this, the Old Republic is one way to do it. Go ahead, Brandon. Sorry.
2: No, I was going to say, yeah. just imagine if this series, if the Blacks- <clears throat> uh, the Darksaber had been the MacGuffin, if that was what the Mandalorians were trying to find, was the lost Darksaber. And then all of a sudden, at the end, it pops up, and the bad guys had it all alone. Okay, that's cool, because you would have had an episode explaining the history of the Darksaber. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense with Favreau that you could have had a flashback to Pre Vizsla and you know, even bringing Ball yeah. into into all this and show in live action, show Maul bring, take on the the dark saber. There's a lot of history there that yeah. they could have shown. And then you you're... get to the end, and it's just, oh, here's the dark saber. People are like, what's? It's a black sword. What's that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you're right, Brandon. And you know, I was trying to refresh my memory, and um, Star Wars Theory has a uh, a good like, short 14 minute video. I think it is on uh, on yeah. the history of the dark saber that summarizes just how much it was actually in clone wars and rebels it's got a pretty significant yeah, pretty history and they oh, should yeah. have they should have touched on it in a live action uh you know expositional episode where they go back through the history of the dark because that would have it's made like people they want to test it it's like
3: they're it's like they're testing with audiences let's throw all these things out here and see what people like and if people are talking about it let's continue with that
2: i feel that the disney is afraid of lore they don't want to they're afraid to touch yeah. anything yeah. outside of that which is really weird because you know the rumors on where the the sequel trilogy was heading with with the the son of mortis and all that and then being cut out and going to palpatine or the dark saber just popping up but it's not really no explanation of it why i mean why do you have a video game that is so heavily tied into the clone wars lore that does it so beautifully and you get so much great story out of it but yet the movies and the tv shows can't Touch on any of that. Like, yeah, nothing has happened well, in any of this live-action stuff because I they Bruce- they refuse to go anywhere but the Skywalker family or Han Solo. Well,
1: I think, Brandon, you uh, you bring up a good point there because they want to give you a little nugget to say, here, we gave it to you, but they're definitely afraid of going right into it because it's not – I think there's a fear uh, maybe – You know, maybe justifiably, maybe not, that it's too nerdy for the mainstream, that that the mainstream audience just doesn't care. And they want to keep it simple for the mainstream, but give the hardcore fans this sort of half-assed nugget, uh, to say, here, we gave you some of your fan service. And, and really, I think that's the wrong approach. I think they really should get into the lore, because the lore is what made the fandom. Um, let, let the fans be your ambassadors. Let, let them explain to people. I mean, I know you should obviously explain it as much as you can within the, within the show, but, I mean the fans that love the, love the original lore and have gone digging for more. That's, that's not a small fandom when it comes to Star Wars. That's an enormous number of people. No,
3: and, you, and you're yeah. right. You're right. No. When I was a
1: little kid, like adults used to like
3: watching Star Wars movies with me because I'd explain who everybody was. Like, Who's that yeah. guy? What's that guy? <laughs> and, and then that's the same way it operates now. Like the, the real fans that have been following along, not real, but the people that pay more attention explain it to those who don't.
1: Yeah, and it's but, not like we're two thousand nerds on the internet. We're there's millions, yeah. millions of Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah, this are, is what the Star Wars to do that is. Level. They
2: are nerds. They want the lore. They want yeah. Them. And uh, you know, this controversial or not, I don't know if this is going to be a controversial thing to say. I think this is what Disney lost the most when they they shunned out George Lucas. Because again, if you look at you know, I I really liked Rebels, but if you look at Clone Wars versus Rebels versus the new movies, Clone Wars is. Phenomenal. It, oh, uh, night there's better. so much lore. There's so much from George Lucas's brain. There's so much happening there that just was never touched in the movies. You know, how does a, a kids animated TV show make the prequels a thousand percent better? It's mm-hmm. just they are better in every single way. It's because it's not afraid to go into, you know, the son, the daughter, and the father and the, the you know, the origins of the force. And it's not afraid to go to, to Moraban or Korriban, whichever you want to yeah. call it, it's yeah. not afraid to go and make these these stories and tell them to children. I mean, everybody thinks Clone Wars is a children's show. That yeah, shit gets watch it, dark. It
1: gets dark, <laughs> and it gets, yeah. dark, it gets dark. It gets dark fast. It and yeah. starts off more kid-oriented, but it, it gets does. dark quickly yeah, I within mean, a couple seasons.
2: Even just take for example, Disney canceled Star Wars 1313. Guess what Clone Wars did? Oh, Star Wars 1313. You got to go into the underbelly of Coruscant and you got to see that world. But Disney's like, nope, cancel the game. We don't want to. I mean, they said cancel the show too. It's just, uh, yeah, Rebels didn't have as much lore. It, It leaned on what was already existing. You, you, you bring Vader back, which is awesome. I will take every single frame of ahsoka that i possibly can yeah <laughs> i think, yeah, we, I all, think that, we all that,
1: will too. Yeah. That, yeah. That we half a season a season two with, with vader and ahsoka that was that oh was peak gosh, star amazing. wars but in four seasons of rebels we got half a season of great content
3: <laughs> i agree and yeah. the rest was filler
1: just so much filler and and to your point brandon uh, they do a they really do a good job of building the lore in clone wars but the other thing is they're not afraid to use the main characters in clone wars like nope. it's a combination of building the lore and still giving you Anakin and Obi Wan and building Ahsoka at the same time, whereas with Rebels you get that little taste of Vader, but otherwise they're just afraid to even use the real characters. They just want to keep it separate and contained so it doesn't screw anything up. It's it's a very fearful way of uh, developing it, and it makes it it makes it actually more niche and less mainstream when. They're trying to appeal to the mainstream, which is which is weird. Um, it's just an odd strategy they've taken. Which I think
2: you know, if everybody said, uh, complains about it, Anakin mm-hmm. anyway, it's like why not just embrace him and. Try, try something different with him.
0: May as well. I mean, it's, you brought up a good point, Brandon, too, is that, that that was probably the biggest thing they lost with Lucas. Yeah, You can knock on Lucas with the – I do it, too, because I knock on the prequels all the time for their their bad dialogue and at the wonky green screen. And it, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can really – you can bash the prequels if you want to have a field day with them. But he brings that world building. He brings that entire background. Star Wars is his baby. And when they decided not even to keep him on as a consultant, I think they lost a lot of that. You know, and and then, and then there's also with Disney whether I love them or not, whether Paul loves them or not, it doesn't matter. With Disney, there's going to be can we drive a product moving forward? You know, so it's can we get people to get to our theme parks or can we get people to buy a certain toy or a movie or whatever? And there's always going to be something in the back of their minds. Everybody wants to make money, but Disney's crazy when it comes to, yeah, to they, money. Yeah,
2: they need every aspect to make maximum amount of profit, no matter what, and that that leads to more of a product than an artistry. Yeah, you know, I, I do wonder how much of it is true that that episode 9 that JJ brought in George Lucas to really help narrow down the story. I get a feeling with scripts starting to leak that we'll know, but it, it, that's just a, a, a personal question is did Lucas really have a, a hand in this and then get shunned out again by Disney?
3: Right. And right. he did have a hand, from what I understand, he did have a hand in Mandalorian. There's that shot of him holding Baby Yoda, like he, he's been. He was on set a lot for this. Yeah, apparently, he Working was talking with, with Favreau. That's yeah. the rumor. Yep. And and this has the best, feel, to me, the best, the closest feel to the original series that of anything. Like uh, next, you know, next
2: to Rogue One kind of
3: thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This definitely
0: harkens back to the original series, Brandon. I'm sorry, did I cut you off?
2: No, that's what I was kind of going to agree. You know, it it did feel like Star Wars. I just I feel that there's. There's lore missing. I, I feel yeah. that there's a deeper story missing. They can do missing. it better. I think
3: I like the way they're going with it. Like, I think they're on to it. I think they're feeling out a lot of things, and mm-hmm. they've done a lot right. And they're hopefully learning from what people are complaining about, listening to the right people, and <laughs> and we'll take this in the right direction.
0: It, you could definitely see that they are listening a little bit, but I think uh, you know Brandon's comment a couple minutes ago about product versus art is good segue into the next topic, though. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Baby Yoda, aka the child, right? Whether we loved him, I loved him. I thought he was great. My wife loved him. When the, when the storm, uh, the scout troopers were punching him, I thought my wife was going to throw something at the screen. So Baby Yoda gives people, uh, he, he makes people feel. Okay. We do know that. And he became a massive part of the show. He affected the Mandalorian, but I throw it to you guys. Is that a, is he just a product? Was he overused? Was he, quote-unquote, the heart and soul of the show? Was it better when he wasn't there, when he was like a minimum part of it? Was it just to sell a goddamn plush toy? Is that it? What do you think, Craig?
3: All right, I have a lot of feelings on this. I mean, I, <laughs> I, the thing is, is I, I like the character a lot. I don't think he's overused in the show. The memes are overused, <laughs> but you can't control that. You can't control how people react to it. And it is, you know, we're going back to talking about Disney being all about the product and sailing. This is a, to me... A great combination of creating something that's very sellable for them, very marketable, but at the same time is, is very interesting for fans. Yeah. It brings in outside fans. My daughter, eight-year-old daughter, has friends that have never even seen it. They, their parents won't get them Disney+, Plus, but they love Baby Yoda, and Baby Yoda is their avatar on their, their social media. They love it. All these people love Baby Yoda. And they've never even heard of it. So it's bringing in outsiders. For me, as a fan, I'm interested in, in learning more. The, the background of Yoda has always been unknown. You can leave it unknown, but this is just more little hints at learning more about Yoda. And it's it's intriguing. I want to find out. I'm enjoying the journey of learning about him. I, I think it's, it's great mix. It's done. It's, it's done right. It's what the kind of the way that maybe the best that we can get from Disney with being able to combine marketing, fan service and real storytelling. I think they've done a great job of it, and uh, if we can get more of that, we're good. And and I know people are probably going to disagree with me, but <laughs> it's the memes you can't control. That's just people <laughs> going nuts. And I know we get tired of that, but really, if you take a step back and look at what they've done with the essence of the show and the storytelling, it's good. I like it.
0: And I'm sure Disney kind of likes the memes anyway because it drives conversation for the show. And it is, yeah, of
3: course, it's it's yeah, people are marketing for them, yeah,
0: yeah. And I agree with you I was I was happy that they were able to make a friggin muppet into a character that I actually cared about and when he was walking around he was doing his little
3: waddle I was like oh look at the little it guy It looks good and it looks yeah. good they've done a great job with the look of it like I mean it looks like a real character like it's amazing it's what yeah. they've done there Yeah, when he was,
0: you know, again, we felt that the, the, I think it was episode four was a little weaker, but the interactions with the child and the other children in the village were the one of some of the stronger parts of that episode. And he looked very real when he was interacting with those kids. So, and, and I think. The theories behind him, that goes back to one of Paul's points, talking about how fan theories with Star Wars is so important on Reddit and things like that. There's a lot of great communities out there. They're all going back and forth on who he is, and it drives some more of that
3: conversation. And I think that stuff's interesting. Yeah, and, I, and I love the fact, like, I think you have to, we've talked about this on some of the other shows, to make these shows good, I think you have to include the Force in some way. You and this to. was a great, a great way to tie it in without bringing in someone we knew already that yeah. they seem to be afraid of doing, going back to the last conversation, right? Yeah. So. It, they've done it in a great way with uh, uh, something familiar but different.
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of familiarity there, but he's absolutely a different character. Uh, and uh, maybe Yoda got it on a, a few years ago. Uh, Brendan, <laughs> what's, uh, what's your take on Baby Yoda? Uh,
2: again, kind of a mixed take on it. I, I didn't know how I'd like it at first, but I by the end, you definitely love Baby Yoda. I mean, it's I, I still try to find myself calling him the child. Pisses, yeah. <laughs> I know it pisses people off when you say Baby Yoda. <laughs> Uh, now, the show didn't give us a, enough information on who or what he is he might actually be a baby Yoda he could be a clone of, a of clone. Yoda we, yeah. we just clones are a thing in this universe it's not out of the realm and for the force to be that strong with a, a child is is telling that it might be somebody more important Yeah. now was this just product placement this is the first time with Disney no I don't think it was because they were caught Completely caught off guard by the the power of this character. They had no toys. They had no Funko Pops. They had That's no true. no you merchandise the- whatsoever. And the first thing they did was go to Etsy and shut everybody down yep. so yep. they couldn't sell something before they could. But so what I heard about that is that they guard.
3: they wanted to hide this so much that they lost. They were willing to lose the millions of dollars of marketing on it. Uh, sorry, on product selling, so that they could hide that reveal. Which is I'm also why we didn't did get that, Ray figures respected. right
2: away as well. They just, they didn't want anybody knowing that Ray was an important character. Right. It's,
3: it's, I, you got to give them a, if that's what they did, you got to give them a nod for that. That's uh, you well, you know, know
1: with, with Ray, Oh, sir, Craig, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just, no, to, to, just to further Brandon's point with Ray. Um, they had the Ray figures. What they didn't have was the blue lightsaber, lightsaber. in her hand. Yeah. And, yeah. and I remember that. I was, I was at the freaking Disney store the day that lightsaber yeah. thing came out. I was there, you know, right when they opened the door to get my, my, uh, my elite series Ray with the blue lightsaber to give to my daughter. And, um, they you that was ready. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And we, um, I think that was the weekend the movie came out, wasn't it? It was
3: the day the, it was the day the movie came out. So they're like the day the movie okay. came out. So
1: they were ready. So it was produced and ready. Well, I just feel like they, they underestimated the demand with What this reminds me of is when frozen blew up the first frozen yeah. and those frozen dresses were going flying off the shelves and the singing dolls. And Craig and I both had daughters that were two, two and a half, I guess your daughter was two minus two and a half when frozen came out. And, uh, you know, I, I got the dress and the singing dolls because I had, work across the street from the disney store and within like a month you could have sold less than a month within a couple of weeks you could have sold that 60 dress for 800 dollars on ebay it was insane <laughs> and it took them like six months to catch up to demand i don't understand what happened and by the time yeah i did, think
3: they've learned from that i think they've learned from that now and this was on purpose they wanted to hide this reveal so much that they didn't want these I, things in production or delete
1: i think they dropped the ball on this i i, I don't know because I, I mean they've got um They've got, like, Baby Yoda mugs and cell phone cases the and things like stuff, that that you can the order. Stuff that's easy to make. Stuff, but, not, but not the plushes. I mean, you could have hid this stuff and just, you know, uh, like, they make baby everything at Disney Store. You yeah. want baby just sip on a blanket, you got it. You want baby whatever in a blanket, you got it. Characters that have never been in baby form, they already sell at the Disney Store wrapped up in a But, yeah, so how do you explain that blanket. they didn't have anything, right? Well, it's they should have. They should have. They no, they but the, only that's why that they, I personally they feel they
2: were caught off guard.
1: I think they were caught off guard, too, because they already have baby everything. You could have easily said, oh, it's just a baby Yoda. You know, like, and no one would have thought anything of it, right? Like, well, hey, it's and really...
2: that's when Go when ahead. you look no. at, like, I'm a big Funko Pop collector. If you yeah, look at too. the Star Wars ones, they don't have the name of the movie on there. That's all just branded it's Star, just Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's just it just Star blends Wars. together. So if you had a baby Yoda, you just don't tell people it's from the Mandalorian. And people are like, oh, that's cute, a baby Yoda. That's That's totally awesome. Yeah, it would have been in uh,
1: keeping with what Disney does anyway. That's my that yeah, was sort of the point. It, was it wouldn't
2: be. have been that drastic to, to do that because it, the boxes don't say the Mandalorian. They just say Star Wars. Uh, rumor,
1: you know,
0: there's a rumor that the, the, the child is supposedly getting a name at least in the second se- season. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get his background. Do you think they didn't do it because they don't want to ruin any of that? Or do you think that has nothing to do with it?
2: I, I, I 100% just believe they didn't th- think it was going to be that big of a, of a deal. And then it blew up and they're like, we need to get this out fast yeah because even still like the baby yoda funko is like a month and a half away the show that by that point we're 90 days after the show ended and and the baby Uh, yoda plush is
1: like may like like, at least it's may like yep it's crazy because my daughter wanted that one thing disney cares
2: about more than box office and and reviews and ratings it's merchandise merchandise
3: all that maybe you guys are right because there's yeah there's not even a ton of mando stuff out there you know i've saw t-shirts they had some yeah, t-shirts and it. stuff i was just at disney and Mugs. Yeah. and uh, yeah the really well, easy stuff well,
1: look at the last jedi toys they're still sitting on the shelves no one bought them yeah. no one wanted them i think it might be part well, of the full of last jedi toys they don't want to make yeah, a lot of this stuff if it's not going so to sell Snopes and rose sure Tikos a, a buck 50 a pop right like you well, can't you can't well, sell rose those Rose is such
2: a wonderful character why does nobody want her funko
1: yeah and why did no one want snoke after we, everyone wanted snoke in, in when the force awakens came out and then they don't release the figure until he's cut in half and pointless And you wonder why you can't sell any, right? Yeah, they're
2: still on shelves at my local Walmart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. So I (laughs) I think they just underestimated. I think they they were really worried. I mean, I think The Last Jedi... They want to make sure it was a hit. Not only did it divide fans, but it killed their toy sales. It destroyed their toy sales. And look look at the muted reaction to Galaxy's Edge. It's finally recovering now that uh, Rise of Resistance is open. But... When that opened, people were, uh, you know, the attendance was under expectations and people were promoting negative narratives any way they could about Galaxy's Edge. Um, and and that, I think you see the same thing in, in the toy sales too, right? So they were, I think they were really shell-shocked. Yeah, and, you be right. Uh, and, and it's just, it, it's worked out. It's become a much bigger thing. It's become part of meme, meme culture, right, which uh, is a little unpredictable. You don't know what's going to grab hold there and what's not um so yeah i'm just amazed it's taken them this long to react to it though because like after after watching the first couple episodes that's what my daughter wanted like that went to number one on her christmas list a baby yoda plush yoda yep how does it take till may a company like disney how does it take them till may to get that out if they were anywhere near prepared right yeah there is something to be said about what you guys
0: mentioned though. about regardless of anybody's feelings on this pod about last jedi it was a divisive 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 movie and they saw the reaction to that movie and probably went, fuck, you know, and, and, it's, and it, you're right. It's just completely shell-shocked. Like, what the hell do we do now? Yeah. And they're, they're probably gun-shy. I would think they're gun-shy about a couple things. And that's, that might be why you didn't see them taking a, too many chances, but maybe we'll see something in Obi-Wan and the next season of Mandalorian. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hold to hold them to that and say they will, but that's probably why they're afraid to take certain chances. I would think. Sure. Maybe I'm but that's, and again, you guys were talking about the lore, and, and maybe the lore helps to drive some of the merchandising and stuff especially with us the nerds you guys talked about buying ray lightsabers for your daughter maybe i bought one for myself uh, but, uh anyway so star wars fans in addition to baby yoda we the four of us at least on this pod and i think any nerd who's listening to us knows what the hell the dark saber is which is awesome i got pumped when i saw that fucking thing come out with moff gideon at the very end were you guys shocked by that did you like seeing that do you think that was a gimmick do you have any theories about how the hell that bastard got it and where this what this means <coughs> forward? Brandon, talk to me. What do you think, man? Uh
2: well I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty surprising. Uh it had been actually a few years since I had watched uh Clone Wars and I actually hadn't finished even the the most recent Rebels until just now. Uh but it was just yeah, I, I knew what the Darksaber was. I was like, Oh hey, that's cool. But again, it was I wasn't shell shocked by it because it was just kind of out of the blue. There was no lead up to it. Right. There right. was nothing going last we knew was uh was Sabine had given it back to the Mandalorians That's so right. they had it. So yeah, I mean where where did he get it is an important question, but I think it would have been better served if there would have been some hints that, you know, he he carries a dark weapon or something throughout there. There needed to be I think more elusive uh, build up to to the fact that this guy one is a badass. And is is incredibly threatening, but that he also carries a weapon that nobody has seen in in thirty years or forty years, however long it's been. You know that that would have been really really cool to wonder, like, oh, what weapon are they talking about? And then all of a sudden at the end, he he whips out the darksabers. Yeah, you know, it's phrasing. I know, but <laughs> 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 but I mean that's <laughs> there's no build-up. It's.
1: Just whips, uh, uh, just,
2: just whips it out. Just whips it out. I mean, just whips the like
0: saber out, and that's <laughs> 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 that's, I love it when the pod just takes a complete da- turn south and just. <laughs> that's
1: great. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <so> <laughs> <laughs> well, the
0: em- the Empire has such a bad history with the Mandalorians, I guess. And this guy's, like you just said, seems like a badass. I'd be interested in seeing <clears throat> what who did he kill to get that thing, right?
2: Yeah, it's. I, mean, I guess we don't really know what has happened on Mandalore since you know the the Empire. <clears throat> you know, what kind of ruins were they left in? Obviously, you know they went through some shit in Rebels. I mean they. Yeah, they did. The they way did. that it ended, and we actually don't even not Rebels, but in Clone Wars. Clone it's Wars. Just, yeah. Clone Wars. We we still don't know because season seven is gonna is gonna end on Mandalore between maul and ahsoka and we're gonna see a a war on mandalore and we maybe we'll get some more more idea on where that dark saber is because last time we saw it maul had it and he was fighting sidious with it and then it then it was it's been gone and then it pops up on rebels but that's still pre-original trilogy that's still uh, at this point it's been 20 years since we've seen that the dark saber so where is it what happened to Mandalore culture where it got turned over to the Empire? Uh, wh- kind of what's going on there? Obviously, you get a little hint that you know the Mandalorian Empire has kind of got to rebuild now. Yeah, is kind of what the show is kind of showing. Uh, but I, I would definitely like more. I would have liked a little bit more hint to that reveal so it had weight. Because mm. as it sits, it was cool, but it did feel more like it was fan service than anything.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's a whole episode 456. Going on, you know, up to Return of the Jedi, where that thing is missing, and th- there's a lot they could delve into if they wanted to. If they wanted to make the Darksaber a quote unquote, MacGuffin for season two, you know, yeah. if they, and and have that, they definitely could. Craig, do you have any theories on that?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's real. Um, it's it's interesting because it made me want to go back and rewatch the Clone Wars and Rebels because I knew it, and I was like, I oh yeah, that thing's been kicking. Yeah, that thing's been kicking around a lot, and then you see how long it has been kicking around for. And um, they do – so they hint at it in the show talking about the great purge. They mention the purge a lot. Yeah. And then, and then when Moff Gideon comes at the end, you see that he was a big part of that purge like, and probably leading that, the purge of the Mandalorian.
0: So and he talks,
3: about, he talks about the night of a thousand tears. And he talks about having – like the way he knows so much about the Mandalorian. He must, he has like the records of, of what was left of the Mandalorians. Yeah. So they're building him up. So I'm seeing this as this is a huge build up to what we're going to get in season two. And hopefully season two really does focus on him being the big bad and the dark saber and him going after baby Yoda and, and Mandalorian. But at the same time, uh, Mando seeing that saber at some point saying, hey, that's, you know, that's our, the, whoever that's has ours. the leader of our yeah. culture. I've got to get that back. And then maybe the other Mandalorians coming back because they also it kind of hints that he may have wiped out that the uh, that covert that they had there. Like you remember, they showed just the armor left over yeah. of them. Yep. Like they're not parting with their armor, no, so they must no. have been killed or like, what happened. Been, yep. So he led that. So it's whole buildup, but uh, but uh, but back to what Brandon's saying. It is disappointing that they didn't kind of weave this in through the whole show, especially when you have those standalone episodes which could have hinted the entire time at him being such a big bad. Like, I mean, they could have had him wiping out stormtroopers, like being like that Vader that doesn't take any crap at all and just kill, kill, kill. They could have had that through the whole episode, through the whole season, instead of just, boom, right at the end, we learn that this is the kind of guy he is. Like, Uh, it would have been a lot
2: better. The problem is, is, as much as Clone Wars is canon, not enough people have watched it. As much as I've posted about it, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, not enough people have watched it and know so the dark saber when that pops up at the end again it's like what's that yeah uh yeah as opposed I'm, to holy shit that's the dark saber like you and i are supposed to feel because we do know not enough people watch the animated yeah. shows because they think they're kids shows and they're not so
3: it's a subtle way to introduce it and then give the backstory in season two I, and i
2: hope they do i really i i hope they do and i like i said at the beginning you know this was a, a very serviceable very yeah. very decent first season but the first season of clone wars wasn't amazing it was good it was but good. season yeah. two it was better and then yeah. season three, was season fantastic.
3: three. right it gets better months. Like season one is is the worst of, of probably all of it isn't it yeah and
2: yeah. It, it's it's it still and good it's, still it's just it was yeah. finding its feet, and a lot, of t- a lot of shows find their feet in the first season, and then they hit the ground running in, this, in the later yeah. season. Yeah, I think that's uh, the
3: direction we're going here.
2: And I, yeah. I, I do hope that. I, I hope that they, they come out in season two and say, okay, we're going to do some major world building this time, and we're going to tell a more cohesive story.
0: Yeah, I mean the show – you know, it's called The Mandalorian. I, I would expect it, and I'm sure you guys do too, to focus on him. And it's going to focus on his character, but there are a lot of opportunities to expand on Mandalorian culture, their lore, the per everything that you guys just talked about between the two of you before we get to Paul. I think there's a lot of opportunities I don't know about you guys, I would want to see that in future seasons. Yeah. I want to see that stuff because I think yep. there's a lot of lore back there that they can get into um you know, Paul, tell us piggyback on them and give us your theories on that too
1: you know I don't have a lot in the way of theories um you know I think I think, you know, Brandon and Craig have kind of covered it. I, I I hope they get into the history of it. I don't know where they're going to go with it. I don't have a ton of faith that they're going to go anywhere good with it. I, I think, Ouch. again, I, mm-hmm. well, I just don't. I, I feel like Disney will continue to tease without ever delivering because um, they want to keep stretching it out. I have a feeling that they're going to go the route of stretching this out way too long as long as it can continue to gain viewership and uh, and bring in money and keep the casual audience uh, interested. And, you know, my, my biggest fear... Um, is is it goes the route of The Walking Dead where it just becomes crap and they just keep dragging it out and dragging it out and dragging it out. And I hope they don't do that. I really hope they don't because they've got some good people involved with this. And um, I just worry that, that that's where it's going to go. So yeah, I think there are some cool places it could go. I don't really have a real um, specific uh, theory or vision as to where it is going to go. But my biggest concern is that we're just not going to get there. They'll just keep teasing something that never never really delivers. So I hope I'm wrong. I'll leave it at that. And some of the best
0: shows definitely know where to stop. You know, like they get to like season six and they go, yeah, this is it. You know, and and they end on a high note. And uh, it's I'm also a Star Trek fan. I love Deep Space Nine. I love the way that ended. The war was over. It was great. And that show got really dark at some point. It got really freaking dark. (laughs) And it focused on PTSD and the effects of warfare and all that other stuff. And it really got went to a place that Star Trek never went to. And if they had dragged that out any farther, it would have been – it was already seven seasons, so I think it was already just a little too long. But It if took they went too long
3: and, to get there. That's <laughs> so the problem.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And there, there's a danger – Brandon hinted at this before – there's a danger that The Mandalorian is going to go that direction, that right. all of a sudden we're in season three or four, and finally they're going to find their footing because it's $100 million a season with only
1: eight episodes. That's my concern too, yeah. I, I just feel I like they're going are nowhere fast.
2: There episodes in, in season one and eight-episode seasons. That doesn't speak high volumes that you really know what you're doing. That's, there's, there's no there's no room for filler, but it's still there somehow. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced
1: they have a beginning and an end to this story either. <laughs> like I don't feel confident mm-hmm. that they have a real plan for this. Like at least an endpoint. I'm not convinced they have that. Uh, maybe they do, but it's, I don't feel that sense of faith. Yeah, if it's been, a, that's been got a
2: beginning, middle, and end to a to a trilogy, then I, yeah, I have no faith they can Ooh. do it in a TV show. The good thing is uh, that they have
3: one person writing all of it. Right? That's Favo's where I all of say. it. So yeah, he guarantee he's put something all together. If they follow that, we'll see. But
2: and they don't fire
0: him. Yeah, He's yeah. doing
2: so well. No, yeah, now, I, I don't think they will. But. He's Disney's boy. He, he exactly. so. there's no doubt on yeah. that. He's he, he's borderline untouchable at Disney, and he's he's the one one of the very few people to me that I think is a strong voice at the company that can yeah. actually kind of pull some of his own weight and tell and Disney what hope. they need to do. Yeah. Uh, because he's bigger than just, I made the Iron Man movie. He's a better oh, yeah. director than that. He is. Yeah, uh, he but is. there's there's no doubt after his two animated remakes that that he's got some goodwill from Disney. And if he says, this is what we need to do, I hope Disney listens and doesn't just say, no, we need to sell some more toys, so let's make a couple of new stormtroopers. Yeah. Uh, yeah and this
3: is why I'm more optimistic than you guys about and hopeful about the direction of this
2: cuz I think in his
3: hands uh, and he's earned their trust that he can do some good things with this. So I'm feeling good about it. And
2: I and I hope so. It's uh, you know I I'm, I'm not saying that I don't think it's possible. I'm just cautious. Yeah. No and
3: and they've earned Disney's earned that <laughs> reputation, Yeah, so I, they I have. understand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, they definitely have. And I think you, I think you have to look at it that way. You have to take it the proverbial grain of salt, right? Yeah. But there is, and, and I understand that. There's always going to be different feelings on every director, whether it's Favreau, whether it's Zack Snyder, whether it's, I don't care who it is, Steven Spielberg, there's always going to be be people that are going to be fully confident. There's other people that are going to be less confident. Some people are going to like his style. Some people are going to hate his style. But there is something about Favreau and his relationship with Disney that I think both Craig and Brandon bought up that gives you some confidence moving forward with the future that he can turn around and say, guys, we're in season three. This is what the fuck we have to do. We got to do it because if we don't, we're going to die. And and you uh, everything right now goes back to money and they want to gain more subscribers. They're doing okay right now. They want to be doing better than just okay. They want to be blowing it out. They want to be Netflix, Netflix part two. And you're only going to do that by making these great shows.
2: I think Obi-Wan might be the the series that really shows us if they know what they're doing in their TV aspect. True. Because it can be great. But now you're playing with established characters, with yeah. established actors yep. in those characters. Yeah, there's a lot on the line with a this world <laughs> that You're playing in a world that needs to be paid attention to. Because like you can't go on a, a galaxy-hopping adventure with Obi-Wan because there is no way he leaves tattooing.
0: Nope, His role is
2: too important. You can't I don't leave. I know about can't that. Leave.
3: If it comes to Vader, turning Vader back, one last effort.
2: I don't think be, that he could be a trip. One ship to go after Vader.
3: Ahsoka comes for a visit, hangs out a I little bit. He sends- oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> see. Him. I don't see him leaving Luke. I mean, that, he's he's yeah. he's
1: marooned himself at a desert planet for what twenty years to watch over Luke. He's not just going to decide to take a yeah. take I, a break. I'd, I'd feel well,
2: pretty good if Ahsoka was there with him. Well, I <laughs> for think, the weekend, I he, would, yeah, he would send Ahsoka, and maybe he did. Maybe that's how they tie it into to rebels is he's the one that sent Ahsoka and he's the one that, that told Ahsoka yeah. that that's the that Vader was Anakin and she didn't believe it until then. I, I don't think there's any universe in which he abandons who he's has said in canon is the chosen one. He does not abandon Luke because he is the last hope as far as he, I mean, he, he truly believes he's not abandoning his, his watch. Everything in that show has to happen on Tatooine. That involves Obi Wan. And that, I mean, that's my feeling, but Mm -hmm. he he can't leave. I mean, when Maul tracks him down and he's still on Tatooine, and Mm -hmm. that final confrontation with Maul was
0: beautiful. Maul was very good. Very
2: good. And just the way that it ends and the level of respect is like, is is he the chosen one? Yes, he is. That's why you're here. It's because there's something more important. He doesn't, he does not leave Tatooine ever again until obviously Luke finds it. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I and I agree with Craig. I think there's a possibility they could work it some way. I just I think I lean more towards what Brandon and Paul are saying. I I think that show's going to take place there because it's a little too hard to take him away. Especially he gave up everything to say I'm going to stay on that planet and just watch over this kid.
3: It's it's hard, but how intriguing is it? Uh, oh, it's intriguing a, a, a confrontation between him and Vader where he makes one last effort because in A New Hope it it doesn't it's open to interpretation that that the time they met on Mustafar was not the last time they saw each other. Yeah. If definitely. you rewatch it, it could totally be another time they saw each other. It's true. Yeah. And he, yeah. And he even, talks, even talks in Empire Strikes Back how he tried to turn him. And Revenge of the Sith, he doesn't really. Oh, like right at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right right, before he chops his legs off in his hand.
2: I don't know. <laughs> uh, if only he could have used the Force to heal Anakin. That would have made everything better. <laughs> hey,
3: now, back to that Force healing. You know the one thing people don't talk about—that's I mean, it, different people have different force powers. You know, like uh, not everybody has psychometry, like when you touch an object, being able to see the past and the future, get visions from it. There's only a few people that have that. So the healing is could be the same sort of way, right? Some well, people was, have or, certain powers. Force
1: sorcery too, like the, yeah, there's uh, different
3: powers that people have. Darth Dar- so doesn't. That whole yeah, the whole argument that, that people are like, oh, the healing destroys everything. It doesn't work for me. They're different it, people have different force powers. And they it, it doesn't
2: like destroy them. anything. It, it was, it's a little convenient, but... Of course, yeah. Oh yeah, what, it's convenient, but yeah. Here's the thing that I will say. In The Mandalorian, when the child healed him, I was like, when the fuck did that become a thing? And then the next day I watched Rise of Skywalker, and I was like, oh, that's why.
3: It doesn't. That doesn't seem like a stretch to me. I've seen it in in Legends. It's been around. There's other people that have force healing, and it seems like such a thing a Jedi would be able to do to me. It seems very natural.
0: It does to me too. And and what they do a lot in Star Wars is the individual writers or whatever they'll they'll freaking make shit up. They'll just, Oh well, the for, you know, force users can do this. And then in the prequel series, the, the freaking Jedi were almost like Superman. I mean, they were ridiculous in what they could do. Uh, so the, like different writers and different creators stretch the force. Yeah to be able to fit their story. Yeah, so I know where Brandon's it, coming from. Absolutely. It is definitely. Go ahead.
2: But to me, in the hands of Disney, this says we can we can make stakes without having to stick to them because, oh, we can stab Kylo Ren and you think he's dead. Whoop, nope, we can heal him. We just didn't. Mm-hmm. We just healed him instead. You know, that's a you fair can, criticism. A you fair can, criticism. can give the audience this idea that something tragic just happened and then you can immediately undo it. Yeah. It is... To me, that's the the issue with you know a lot of what happens in the MCU is you just you never feel like anything matters because they can always just change it. They can always bring something back. They can always do it, and now the Jedi can just randomly heal people. uh, I think the whole
3: I think someone bring somebody
2: back to life. I
3: think they did set it out that that would actually you'd have to drain your own life to do that. The healing of him the first time is not a death blow. Like that's eventually going to kill him. That one through the stomach. But he's not dead yet. It wasn't through his heart. Like, and then in the end, when Kylo brings Ray back, that's, he's got to give himself up completely to do that. So that's, there are some stakes to it.
0: Yeah, they hinted at like a piece of her life force or whatever disappearing. Right. Like, injuries
3: yeah. is one. Like, she's healing injuries. She's not bringing people back from the dead. Bringing back people back from the dead is going way too far, unless, yeah, you're giving your own life for it. Like, you're giving all your life to that person to, to bring them back.
0: And don't put a pet past Disney to do that. To, to Brandon's <laughs> point, it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's got a point. Don't put it past them to do that. It's just that they haven't done that yet, at least. But yeah, don't put it past them. They could possibly it's, do it.
2: Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny that I I wondered where force healing became a thing when I saw it on Mandalorian, and then the next day it was in the movie, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Now. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, I, I, just, I just don't think we. I just don't think we've seen it's such a huge galaxy. We, just because we haven't seen it before doesn't mean it's not yeah. out there. I
2: yeah. don't think I just, that it's that big of a deal. I just think that it's it's the great. Eraser in, yeah. in the wrong because, hand. it yeah, always exactly. be. I agree with you. Oh, we could just undo this with force healing. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I think that the the concept of it is fine. I just I think I'm more worried about it in the wrong hands. Yeah, <laughs> uh, than anything. That's yeah. that's just my personal opinion. I wasn't yeah. bugged by the movie by any means. Right, and that's uh, why
3: you need someone like George Lucas to always bring it in to say, whoa, 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 we can do this with that, but you can't do that. You can't go too far with it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Good points, guys. Very good points. So we're going to get ready to close it out in a a couple minutes, but uh, we talked about so much Star Wars stuff. Thank you. I appreciated all of your your input. I really did. Um, And we talked about the different directors and the Star Wars theories that the four of us love to chat about. At the end of the day, this is The Mandalorian. It's his show, Pedro Pascal. We talked about his performance. We all loved it. What did you think about his arc during the first season? You think he had any character growth whatsoever? Was he the same guy that he was at the end? Did you believe it? Did it seem like it was a little too forced for you? And do you you really you're rooting for him now moving forward into season 2? Paul, we'll we'll start
1: with you. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, it uh I was probably least sold on the show from the group, right? So, in terms of his arc, uh you know what? You look at what what actually happened in the season. He got it. He got a job. it Turned yes. out being Baby Yoda, and then he spent the rest of the he, he reneged on his job uh, when he realized he grew he'd grown attached to Baby Yoda, and now he's um, he's running basically right until yeah. the end. Where now you get the guy with the dark saber out of nowhere. <laughs> um, you know, I guess if that's an arc, uh, it's, it's an arc. I mean, I guess he, he meets, he finds some of the other Mandalorians, right. And, uh, and, and now they've mostly been offed except for the armor, at least it appears that way. Um, so, you know, I don't really have expectations for season two. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll watch it. Um, I don't really know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I still don't really know much about, um, about Moff here and his, in his dark saber. Uh, I hope they'll, we'll get into where he came from, how he acquired it, um, I don't know how long you can keep this whole baby Yoda thing going um, before it loses its appeal. Uh, you know, we, I never, I didn't really elaborate on that before, but I, um, I don't mind baby Yoda, but it's not where I would have gone with this series. I mean, I think mm. the thing I, I, that I like best about baby Yoda is that it, it, it brought my daughter back into watching Star Wars. That was enough to make her want to watch again when yeah, she'd sort of yeah. fallen. Um, she'd lost her interest in Star Wars after the last Jedi. So, so in that sense, I like baby Yoda because now she's interested in it again and it's something we can watch together. Yeah, but, you guys can watch it together. Yep. Yeah. But yep. for me, that's not a, that's not a narrative choice I would want or choose to, to have this baby Yoda tag it along for, two, three, four, five seasons, so I don't know where you go with that, at what point does it end? I mean, at the rate he's aging, we're gonna you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be well beyond the sequel trilogy by the time uh, Baby Yoda's, you know conversing, right? So 900 um, years, dude. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm not sure where you go with this, it feels I don't know, I mean, if I was writing this I wouldn't know where to go, so I'm just gonna wait and see what comes to me
0: I'll combine then the two questions for you, and I'll do it with the other two guys, too. Are you looking forward to season two, or are you kind of like,
2: meh?
1: Um you know I'm I'm looking forward to it but I'm not uh waiting on the edge of my seat for it. I mean it's more a curiosity than a, I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, okay. as I was saying it doesn't it didn't hit me on the level of Game of Thrones um uh, not even close. Uh you know other series have gotten better after their first season. Hopefully this yeah. is one. Um so I'm curious, uh, you know, I, I, as I say, I still, I've never got more than a week behind, that says something. So I'll That's true, look, yeah. Looking forward to this coming out, uh, watching it, but I'm not, you know, I don't, this isn't the greatest Star Wars I've ever seen, like some people are saying, and this isn't proving that Disney got Star Wars right, because I still think The Rise of Skywalker was better than this, I still think The Force Awakens was better than this. Um, it's fine, though, it's okay, it's good, it's good enough to keep me watching, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not, uh, you know, waiting on the edge of my seat for it. Goes back to Brandon's previous
0: point, though, that more people need to watch Clone Wars. So, whoever's listening to us, watch fucking Clone Wars. Jesus,
1: yes, I'm actually more excited. Show, I'm more excited about going back and watching Clone Wars than Embo Mandalorian season two. To be quite honest,
2: <laughs> all of this Disney stuff that's happened in the, just in the last two months yeah. made me want to go back and watch Clone Wars, and I am so happy that I did. As you guys have seen by my, my, my posts, yeah, I can't talk about it enough. I just it is so absolutely. Fantastic! Like Great the, this is the best Star Wars has to offer, and I am happy with that.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and season seven's coming out within the month, right? We're expecting February at some point. So seven yeah, I think seven, the end of February. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. And I'm, we're all yeah. looking forward to that. People and catch it, up on it.
0: Go
2: ahead. That's a short season as well.
0: It is. Uh, yes, that's
2: that's only thirteen episodes and then, or twelve episodes, uh, and then it will lead right into the the book that's already out for Ahsoka, yep. which is a fantastic book.
0: The, that's a good uh, suggestion before I ask you. What's the name of the book?
2: Uh, it's just called Ahsoka. Uh, awesome. Get it on Audible because Ashley Eckstein actually reads it, and uh-huh. they have music and sound effects on it. So uh,
3: it's
2: not it's not a full teleplay. Not every character is, is voiced separately. She does all the voices. Uh, awesome. But the fact that they add the music, the sound effects, it opens on Mandalore against her. Yeah. Uh, looking down on Maul, and then it cuts away. It it gives a little bit of explanation on where she's at. It's, it's it's fantastic, but definitely do the audible. I think it's worth it.
0: That's a good suggestion, man. Thank you very much. Are you looking forward to season two? Did you like the Mandalorian's arc in this show? You you getting ready? Are you happy? You're going to be maybe not sitting on the edge of your seat, but you want to see where we're going with this.
2: I liked it enough, and uh, you know the Star Wars fan in me. I'm definitely going to watch season two. Uh, i just I want it to be better than it was but i 'm yep. not i 'm not unhappy with how this ended up. I just want it to be more, and I want disney to to take the the gloves off and say okay let's let 's really start doing this right and i want yeah. i really want I want felony to to step up and get on his game and and really bring some of that lore that he learned from George Lucas and bring that into the show. Mm. I think that it can be far better. But I don't think that it was it was bad by any means it, it did not leave me like it like last Jedi left me where I was like I don't know if, if I want to watch anything. It left me like rise of Skywalker left me. Hey, that was good. that felt like Star Wars. I'll watch it I'll keep watching and, and that's that's not a bad thing. No. but I do think season two can be better.
3: Craig, what about you I think I'm very interested in his arc like I think he's finding himself he's dealing with all these different conflicting aspects of his life like he's a mm. bounty hunter. But he has a heart, you know, he, he sees the connection with uh, with the baby Yoda, with the, the fact that he was an orphan. And then he hates droids and like starting to at least, <laughs> you know, respect one droid. You know, that's a start, um, you know, people learning to 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 see things differently that they have like a stereotype of in their mind. You know, he's learning to be a father and it's like not something he's prepared for. Like that's part of life that happens to people. And I don't think anyone's really ready until it happens to them, which he's going through. So I think there's a lot going on. I'm, re- and I'm really interested to see how that continues. Um, a lot of the same thoughts that Brandon has uh, probably more positive about enjoying it. Um, he liked it, clearly he liked it, but I, I think I liked it more. And, uh, but I, it could be a lot better in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm very positive and hopeful. Let's say hopeful that <laughs> they, they do it right. Um, going forward, and, and very intrigued to see what they do with, with all the characters, and a lot of them are coming back for season two, so um, it's it's looking good um, I like where it's going, and uh, yeah, I like I liked his arc a lot
0: Thank you I, I, The same thing, man, you never know where Disney's going to go but I think they do have a good team in place It's whether or not Favreau has that voice that Brandon was talking about, I hope he does that he can bring some of that in, Paul said it too they could really get really gimmicky here and overuse baby Yoda. They could go down some bad paths if they're not careful. Overall, really like the show. You know, episode 1 and 3 were good, then 6, 7, 8 were really good. It's just 2, 4, or 5 if they do more of that. And I know you can have the argument that they're going back to what maybe they originally envisioned when Star Wars when George Lucas got his inspiration for Star Wars and you have these standalone episodes, but I think the show worked better when everything was more connected and you had that tissue that was connecting all of it, and if they really go into Star Wars lore, you'll get Star Wars fans on board. They'll jump in, because the nerds will start talking, and we love that stuff, and we're all talking to each other about who Baby Yoda is, he a clone, did you know, Yoda have sex 100 years ago, or whatever the hell it was. We're all talking about that kind of stuff, and that is what Star Wars fans like, and as Paul mentioned on one of his previous pods, that's what he felt came back with Rise of Skywalker. He liked that theory with Palpatine and all that. He didn't necessarily know everything, but he didn't care. He liked talking with you guys and me, about it so if as long as they go down that route and they start doing that i think they'll be okay but if they get too disney ish i think they're in trouble and there's always a danger that they're going to do that but overall i really liked it i'm looking forward to it too so any final thoughts you guys want to add in i want to thank you man you you guys took a lot of your time today and i liked listening to all your takes and i really wasn't feeling good today and you guys carried the entire pod really want to say thank you
2: i did actually have one question for everybody that go ahead that's the show very much confused for me in the first episode, when he picks up the, the puck to go track down Baby Yoda and get it, the Warner Her- Herzog was very explicit. We want him alive. We're willing to take him dead, but we need him alive and we will pay a whole lot more money. And then the IG 11 was like, No, nah, I'm going to fucking kill him. He
1: was told, he was given dead direction. said
2: that this child yeah. needed to die. Yeah. And, uh, and like, even beyond, mando's decision to to say well i'm not gonna kill him the the directive was not to kill him that was that that was your orders that is what you were paid to but for some reason the robot's like now nah, i'm gonna fucking kill this kid yeah the ig11
3: uh, he actually said the directive was clear to kill him
2: he yeah said and, like, like they did, you're not going to go tell a droid that you need to kill this thing and then the human don't kill it. You are going to give them both the same directives because you obviously wanted it alive. Yeah, so
3: did was somebody that- different send him?
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> what I was <laughs> <always> thinking. <laughs> well, yep. well, they're trying to extract something from him. We didn't really touch on that in this episode, but they're trying to get something out of Baby Yoda, right? And we don't know what that something <laughs> yeah, is yet.
0: Yeah, they straight up were like tortured that poor thing. Uh, yeah. Well, like, were-
1: yeah, go ahead. And they were saying like you know, basically get what we need out of him by whatever means you need to. And yeah. we still don't know what that is. So right. I think that's one of the. And they got it. Too. I think they got it. Too, did they so get it?
2: I think so. I think they were they were getting it. I don't I know if they were, if they got I, it all I or yeah, they,
3: they got it. Finished. They left it open. They left it open. So there could be you know that's a thread they could go with that they got whatever they want and now they're trying to do to clone it or do something with
2: that whatever that genetic material or whatever it is they got. Uh, but the, the IG eleven, you know, could he have been sent by somebody else? Sure, right. The way they made it sound on the show was like, of course, we're not only going to send one person to find this kid. It's too important. It seemed to me like they had sent multiple. Oh, (laughs) he said he said
3: everybody. I sent. (laughs) yeah.
2: (laughs) So to me, is that a story inconsistency or was it just because the robot was a dick?
3: No, I think that was. (laughs) No, I think that was a plan. And I don't think the robot could be a dick. I think the robot is programmed a certain way. And you could tell the way he did everything. Is by the directive. The directive is this: like he was, that was his character. Like yeah. he's like yeah. by the code. I was here first, so I am the one to get it. You know, like he was very like these are the rules. So why would he all of a sudden go outside the rules? So he he was given that, and I don't think that's a flaw in the story. That that should be, that must be some of the thread they can play with. To me, it comes off as a
2: flaw in the story, but maybe <laughs> maybe we learn otherwise. It, it just it's too <laughs> weird to send two bounty hunters with two different directives and they're the complete opposite it's not like compartmentalization one is kill one is don't kill and neither and that doesn't make sense if you want it alive you tell the robot bring it in alive. uh so the only explanation is that he was sent by somebody else because it was too important to bring the child back alive
3: well there was almost a little fight between warner herzog and the uh the other guy the doctor because he kind of was like, ah, you could kill if you need to. And the guy's like, no, 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 we agreed Yeah, not the to. baby's
0: like, whoa, 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 yeah. Uh-huh.
3: The doctor was like, no, 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 we agreed. And he's like, eh, yeah, but come on, it's too important to leave him alive. So maybe he went off on his own it Was like, when the doctor's not around. Like, listen, you guys can just kill him.
0: And, and there is yeah, definitely something to be said. You
3: know, yeah. you guys are
0: talking about going later on. You know, you'll watch an episode, and then all of a sudden I go back and watch episode two, and ah, it makes well, it a little bit better. Well, maybe that'll happen. But go ahead. Yeah, and
3: that's what they need more of. Like they need to make this more like all these shows that we're accustomed to watching where it's all interweaved and every little detail matters and it all comes back later. So hopefully that is one of those things that's planted like that. Because I think that's one problem we will all have with the show is there's not enough of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But to Brandon's point, that's why it could come off as a fuck up. Honestly. Yeah. It just could come off like that. I, I it think,
3: up. I don't think they effed it up. I think if anything, they just they might just leave it dangling, but they shouldn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, I tend to agree with you, but I know I understand where he's coming from. Oh, because, totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. But
3: totally. I don't think, I think Favreau knows what he's doing. I don't think he totally would just leave that out there, and mess it up. I hear you. I believe. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wa- I want to believe. <laughs> Craig
0: is a believer. <laughs> I want to believe. <laughs> this is the way, Craig. This is the yes, way. This is no. the way. I've spoken. I have. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all seriously man i really appreciate the three of you why don't uh, why don't you guys say your goodbyes tell everybody where they can find you if they want to talk star wars and everything else with you brandon where can the guys find you out there
2: uh primarily everything is on twitter uh at, uh, at the underscore meatball underscore 84
0: thank you sir and are you going to be doing any more uh, tv exile stuff soon
2: uh, as of right now, I think we, we were talking about doing a, a full series review for, for Watchmen. I uh, don't know what that will be, but hopefully by talking with Manu now that he's actually watching Clone Wars, we're <laughs> going to do a retrospective on Clone Wars uh, as a whole once he's gotten it all watched and just talking about the importance of that show. So hopefully that will be sometime soon.
0: Fantastic. Please keep us posted on that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Craig, tell everybody where they can find you, man.
3: Yeah, my personal stuff where I talk more Star Wars is at the Craig Sutton on Twitter and Instagram. And, um, we talked a little bit before I operate a a fan account, uh, for The Last Dragon. It's a 80s cult classic urban action martial arts Motown movie. Uh, it's kind of crazy, but the people who like it love it. And, uh, with all that, you can find me at, at The Last Glow on Instagram and, Twitter and the tribute.com. thanks guys
0: thank you sir it's good having you on Paul fellow founder of Rogue Squad man thanks for doing this again and, and getting us to episode 6 where can everybody find you
1: yeah Christian uh, thank you for putting this together I enjoyed it again as always uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Paul underscore P
0: thank you sir guys I am Chris you can find me on Twitter at at chart 6363 i'm the therapeutic guitarist that's a conversation for another day uh you can find the exiles network at at the exiles net we'll put this stuff up for the patrons first we thank all of you and after that we'll probably have it about a week and it'll be available on soundcloud and a whole bunch of other platforms we'll blast it out there on twitter instagram and facebook so you guys know where to find us thanks again we'll see you in episode seven take care guys